The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Welcome back. Glad to be with you once again, albeit uh, very briefly this week. Uh, we don't have a regular pod this week for a few reasons. Uh, number one, I was on vacation with the family. Uh, we were away camping for most of the week, so uh, ergo, I was kind of out of the loop, although I was you know, paying attention, but you know, preoccupied with the family and enjoying nature and such. Uh, and then, well, from what I could tell, <laughs> there was no news anyway. Uh, so we wouldn't have had a whole lot to talk about. And just on that front, like I find it really shocking that Lucasfilm didn't give us any news this past week, considering it was Celebration Week, or should have been the week of, of Celebration. No Mando trailer, no announcements, no reveals, absolutely nothing, and I am absolutely shocked by that. And I bet most of you out there are too. Like We, we talked about it on the pod. And we were all, the three of us, totally convinced that we would at, we would at least get that Mando Season 2 trailer. And, and we did not, even though there were rumors uh, from good sources saying that it was going to come. Uh, it, it didn't. Uh, I have no idea why. I, I'm gobsmacked that Lucasfilm did not uh, see fit to, to give us anything this week. Uh, I don't know if it's because uh, with, with the shadow of... of DC fandom still casting large? Were they afraid of looking impotent in light of that? Or uh, Lucasfilm was aware of Force Fest? Were they afraid of, of stealing that thunder? I, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I really don't know why they just chose not to do anything this weekend. I'm baffled. Um, but anyway, the trailer for Mando Season 2 comes when it comes. Uh, but finally, the the last and biggest reason why there's no regular pod this week is um, the aforementioned Force Fest, which I was grinding pretty hard on getting re ready for. Uh, so that was held this past weekend, and it was a total blast. Uh, I took part in two panels, both of which you're going to hear on uh, the feed this week. Uh, in case you only caught one or missed the panels entirely, I'm going to have the audio for you guys this week so you can check that out. Uh, but our, for our panel, I was joined on Saturday morning, for myself it was Saturday morning, I was joined by Raven from Sisters with Sabres and Devin from Unmistakably Star Wars, and both were absolutely incredible, rock solid, and you'll hear it for, for yourselves. So um, be sure to give uh, give them both a follow and, and check out their pods if you haven't already. They're both real insightful, real good podcasts, and great Star Wars fans with with good perspectives on, on all of it. So check them out. And I know that some of you guys out there are already tuned into both. So I know you guys are doing it right. Um, you're right. Um, I wanted to mention that um, this, the force fest weekend was in benefit of the make a wish uh, for critical, critically ill kids. And a goal was set for $3,000 and they hit it, which is awesome. Star Wars fandom pulled together and took some of that money that would have went to Lucasfilm at Celebration 
and funneled that over to the Make-A-Wish, and a total of $3,163 were raised, just surpassing that goal of $3,000, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, and I know that a bunch of you contributed during our panel as well, so we got off to a real good start. Um, so that was that was just amazing. Uh, so that's, that's really it. Um, enjoy this panel which really went off without a hitch. And I got to thank Dan, our producer, our admin guy behind the scenes for making sure that happened. He really took care of us and, and made sure the whole thing went smoothly. Um, the, only, the only hiccup was a 10 to 15 second or so lag where I was sort of cut off on the recording. It's some kind of you know, hiccup on, on Get Vocal's end. Uh, but you didn't miss much. Uh, you just basically missed the very beginning intro. Um, which which I'm kind of going through here. Um, all the gold is still in that recording. Um, and the craziest thing for me in prepping and executing on this thing that we did over the weekend is knowing that we had a 60-minute time frame, a hard stop at 60 minutes. Like, we could have continued. Like, if we weren't done at 60 minutes, we could have stayed open in the room and just hung out. Uh, but the recording itself would have cut off at, at 60 minutes sharp. Uh, and we went for 59 minutes and change. So we brought it right down to the wire, which I'm not going to lie, was a bit of a challenge. Like for me, and you know, we like to go for as long as we need here on the podcast at Tumbling Saber. We just go. I always like to sort of aim for 90 minutes. We usually go way past that. Um, and some people think that's a strength and others, well, no, nobody ever calls it a weakness, but... Um, you know, we just we just tend to let things be what they want to be and what they need to be. Um, but yeah, to work with the sixty minute time frame was was um, yeah. At first, it seemed fine. Actually, like I, I, I'm putting putting together the outline for the panel. I thought, okay, well, this is going to be easy. We can we can do we can fill this time easily. And then, as we got into the panel, uh, twenty minutes in, we were like two thirds through my show notes through the outline, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> we're going to run out of racetrack here or run out of material real soon. And then, then what? And there's no harm in ending a panel early if you're done, but it looked kind of stupid. It was, it was the kickoff panel to force fest. So you kind of want to leave a good mark. And I think we did eventually, you know, obviously getting to the you know 59 minute mark. Um, but again, I got to say sorry to Dave Ackerson <laughs> who jumped on late to kind of drop his thoughts and kind of had to give him the old hook. <laughs> so we could do the sign off and get off, uh, get off the panel real quick before we, uh, before our slot was ended for us. Uh, but I appreciate you guys, all the feedback and everyone who took part in the panel. I know a lot of you guys listening to this were there on the weekend. So, uh, this is a bit of a double dip for you, but if you miss some of it, uh, now you get a chance to, to hear it in its entirety. Um, and again, thanks to you guys for chipping in and getting the Make-A-Wish goal off to a rock and start. You guys are awesome. Uh, so supportive, and I can't thank you enough. So, uh, once again, here is our Force Fest panel called Listening to the Future, the music of Star Wars on the big screen in the post-Skywalker era. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'm signing off for now, uh, but later this week, our powerful friends will get a double dip of the Force Fest collecting panel that I was lucky enough to be a part of with Tim from the Nerd Room. Uh, and then I'll follow that up on the, our powerful friends feed with part two of my series where I go through some of my collection for your enjoyment. And I'll focus that one on the vintage collection stuff that I've picked up in the last couple of years. Um, and then next time, uh, as for the ne you know, next week's regular episode, we'll see what happens. Um, 
pray for news, everybody. <laughs> or pray pray that a topic comes to mind for us. Um, or, as always, you can feel free to, to suggest us a topic um, or, or hit us with some of your questions. And, and that way you'll you'll force us to get back on the mic next weekend so you get a fresh new episode. Uh, so that's it, gang. I'm out. Enjoy the panel. We'll talk to you soon. The music of the galaxy far, far away. And we're going to dig into an hour of Star Wars conversation here in just a few moments. Uh, but first, I want to welcome in the co-host for this panel from the Sisters with Sabres podcast. We have the one and only Raven. Hello. And from Unmistakably Star, Star Wars, of all the guys I know, he's one of them. <laughs> Devin Cleffer, everybody. Wow, that is an incredible introduction. <laughs> good morning or good evening, wherever you're at, Global Galaxy. Good to see you. Thanks for yes. joining us. Yes, absolutely. I hope we're, this is one of those panels where the timing is so great, where it's either early morning for some of you or late at night for others. And wherever you are, I hope you've got the appropriate beverage in hand and uh, <laughs> jump in and, and enjoy. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but before we get into the, today's discussion, I want to pass along our thanks to the organizers of Force Fest. So Richard and Sarah, Tyler, Frank, Christy, Courtney, Kelly, Kevin, who without their heavy lifting, we're not here today. So, and of course, a little closer to home, we have Dan in the chat, our admin, taking care of everything behind the scenes. So thank you for all that, everybody. This has been, I'm, I'm sure, a huge undertaking to get this thing together. And um, it's let's, you know, hats off to a great, great weekend coming up. Uh, but most importantly, Absolutely. folks, this entire weekend's events here at Force Fest are in benefit of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, helping critically ill kids make their dreams come true. And we all have the opportunity here today and throughout the weekend to help these kids in a big, big way. So if you check the chat, eventually Dan is going. Uh, Dan has already posted the link uh, for the Make-A-Wish. So we can any any of us have a couple dollars to spend uh, to spare. Hit that link or Get Vocal will match 33% of all donations made through Get Vocal VCoin. And there's a little blue diamond somewhere on your screen. Hit that. It'll take you right into the process of, of making that quick donation and helping out some kids who really, really could use it. So uh, any of the money that you would have thrown at Lucasfilm Star for Star Wars Celebration Weekend, redirect a little bit of that money for some kids in need. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and lastly, uh, I want to take a moment uh, to acknowledge the passing last night of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, we can't, we cannot, uh, I, at least I cannot go through with this and with, you know, uh, the news shook us all last night when we saw the news and he's such a talented, charismatic guy. Um, and though he may not be directly connected to Star Wars, there's just such overlap between Star Wars fandom and Marvel fandom. Uh, it, it's impossible to have this at this hour it's still so fresh in our minds that we got to at least acknowledge it. And by all accounts, he was just such a marvelous person uh, and he's going to be sorely, sorely missed. So our sincerest condolences uh, go out to his family and friends and, and may he rest in peace. All right, everybody. So that was a, a bit of a longish intro. And um, we now have some time to talk about the music of Star Wars. Um, and just so you guys know, um, we're going to try and leave a few minutes at the end of the panel to have some of you guys in the chat jump in, take this little square here, this blank square, uh, jump in and have your say and drop some quick thoughts. But uh, we've got a roundtable discussion to have here first, so let's get to it, guys. I'm looking forward to this. So over 42 years, Star Wars has given us uh, a lot of plot lines and characters and this and that that have split fans one way or the other. But the one thing I think 
we can broadly agree on universally is that the music, the lexicon of music created by John Williams over the course of nine movies is something that we all adore and love to death. And it has played an essential and formative and enduring role over how we consume Star Wars. So the first thing I want to ask, Raven, I'm looking at you on this one. What is your relationship to the music of Star Wars? Is it just another piece of the puzzle for you? Or do you go a little deeper than that when it comes to Star Wars music? Uh, well, I think that uh, for me personally, I'm a classical music fan and have been all my life. So listening to it as just music would have been thrilling and amazing. But for me, it, it's absolutely tied directly into it. Uh, Leia's theme is still my alarm clock in the morning. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely tied into the movies for me, the experience for me. And, and also, you know, the 20th Century Fox, you know, fanfare. Every time I hear it, doesn't matter what movie I'm watching, I expect to hear the main title theme, even when I know that I'm watching a completely different movie. I hear that fanfare and I think a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I know it's not coming, but I can hear it in my head just because it's become, they've become so synonymous for me. That's how deep that goes. But then, you know, like I said, with the movies is themselves it's characters. Absolutely. How about you, Devin? Yeah. I mean, I would echo what, what Raven said and yeah. How can you not hear the Fox fanfare and, and not automatically go to, <laughs> know the the opening credits of of star wars I, I think one of the fans that this has probably been out on the web for a few years now but they they removed the score from the throne room scene at yavin 4 and it, it's just like what is happening it's it's not working <laughs> and and i think that that just goes to the brilliance of john williams i think it goes to quite frankly our our love of the movies is probably so attached to the music of the film and and how those the the visuals and the sound play together that we probably can't detach our love for Star Wars without acknowledging John Williams' work toward that. And we always talk as Star Wars fans, right, mashing the nostalgia button. Well, I think part of that nostalgia button that, that's woven into our DNA is the John Williams score. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, there's Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie and Vader and Anakin. Everybody is, is a part of the fabric that we watch on screen and they say the words and they drive the story, but the, the music drives the story too. It underpins yeah. it. You can want, you can take out all the dialogue and just listen to the music and get what's happening in these movies. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a character unto itself and it, it is just, I mean, when you look at the way the music has penetrated pop culture, you hear the Imperial March. Everybody knows that. Right. Everybody knows mm -hmm. the force theme. Everybody like it's it's right. incredible how this music has just uh, kind of transcended from just being part of this geeky set of movies to something that right. my grandparents knew. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. they could give a rip about mm -hmm. Star Wars, but they knew that music when they heard it. Well, and I'll I'll fully confess, Absolutely. Kyle, that you know. <laughs> Now that we're live across the interwebs, like you talk about those iconic um, themes of the various characters and, you know, like ringtone for my mother-in-law is the Imperial March. And so like, <laughs> I don't even have to look at the phone to know who's calling. So there, there is some, yeah, some symbolism that goes beyond a galaxy far, far away. Well, when I got, that's what I was going to say too. It's, it's what, when you hear the Imperial March, everybody knows what it is. Yes. But everybody also knows what it implies yes. if we're playing this song and there's a bunch of people moving 
those are the bad guys, obviously. <laughs> I mean, the song tells you yeah. that in its sound, not only, you know, its correlation to the movie, but just in the sound of the music itself, which is the genius yes. of John Williams. So, so when I got married, we had an outdoor wedding and we had our friend take care of the music and sneakily my wife before at some point she went to our guy and said when i when we start walking down the aisle i want you to switch the music to the imperial march so, <laughs> so my wife willingly walked down the aisle wow. to the imperial march <laughs> like that's a keeper i mean she's a sith lord <laughs> yep. but she's a keeper absolutely absolutely a keeper 100 wow. um that so Go ahead, Devin. Oh, I say that's so impressive because I I, I was so in, enraptured by falling in love with my girlfriend now wife that I I didn't even do my due diligence. She hadn't even seen Star Wars, and I didn't find this out till after we were married, Kyle. So <laughs> I, I I I dodged a bullet or a lightsaber <laughs> either way. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so Devin, when we look at the other people who have carried the ball for Star Wars on the big screen, Michael Giacchino with Rogue One, John mm. Powell with Solo. How have these non-William composers handled the music in your opinion? Like, do you see their role as one to evolve the musical tapestry or do you see it more of, do you see their role as more of uh, custodians of the music so far? Yeah, I mean, Kyle, I think that gets just to the heart of Star Wars fandom, right? Because I think the same is true. That that question isn't limited to the music. It's limited to where we're going with the stories and which characters we're being uh, introduced to and, and falling in love with. So I think that, I think it's a balance like Giacchino, by the way, who pulled off the Rogue One soundtrack in a matter of weeks, did an incredible job. In fact, uh, you know, <clears throat> pardon me, the, the scene in the film uh, where we're flying over Jedi for the first time and we see kind of the, the ruins of of the Jedi on the ground there and, and the reddish sands of Jedi, that particular piece within the score is one of my all time favorites in any Star Wars work. So I think that there are talented composers that can I'll use it loosely, like pay homage to Williams, but take us into new exciting directions. And one of the best examples is what Kiner has done with Star Wars Rebels. Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and even when you, you look at music that's been repeated, yeah. you look at the asteroid field chase, which of course is, is an iconic piece from Empire Strikes Back, but used again by John Powell in Solo. And right. he injects, I think, I don't know if this is going to get me kicked off the panel, but <laughs> I think I prefer the John Powell version. It just it adds a little bit more of adrenaline and there's a bit of pounding drum yeah. to his version that I think just amps up the energy. So it's all at, at the same time, he's using something that exists, but he's changed it and changed the energy of it. If it could have been augmented anymore, but he did it. And I'm like, I, I hear that. I'm just, wow. So you're right. Like Devin, it's the balance. It's It's infusing some new energy, but also being a little bit familiar in that we recognize something as being star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to, and Raven, let me ask you this because it, it brings up this next question, obviously, which uh, apparently maybe <laughs> asterisk, we're going to get some new star Wars films in a couple of years and perhaps a, a brand new trilogy or two. And so Raven, when, when we start talking about the new films, do, do we want that opening title and the closing credits to still kind of be bookend with what we know as the star wars theme or do we kind of do what rogue one and solo did and just take us in a brand new direction and and go for it well there's a loaded question <laughs> oh, <is it> really? <laughs> yes absolutely i however am you know part of rogue squadron so i can take it <clears throat> um 
I am, uh, you know, an original trilogy, you know, starter. Yeah, um, I'm as old as Star Wars. And for me, uh, saga films, uh, you know, anything that would be continuing, you know, the saga films to me should still have the main title theme and the mm. end, you know, end title theme. Um, not necessarily because I think they're better pieces or no one could possibly make them better. But I believe, as you do, that what we've gotten, what we've gotten so far is such a beautiful melding of old and new, bringing in some of the things we recognize, but taking chances, doing different things, and allowing someone else to express how they see this world mm. in a musical way. You know, and I know a lot of musicians out there will completely agree with me. You can hear a song, and sometimes the only way you can describe it to someone is it sounds like being in this kind of room mm. because it's the only way you can really express how that music particularly hits you. And so I think for me, when I'm in the movie theater watching a Star Wars movie, I don't finally go, whew, it's over until I hear the end title theme until that starts. I don't think that it's over. Like there could be more, there could be more. <laughs> that's that moment when I'm just like, oh, okay, that's the end of the drink, you know, shots over, we're done. It's, you know, that to me is the end. And obviously the, you know, the main title theme to me is just what it is. This is where it comes from. We're giving you, you know, here's the original, but then from there on, I am all about hearing what new people have and new types of music. I mean, if you listen to the Mandalorian soundtrack, yeah. I mean, holy buckets. I mean, that's gone completely out of outside mm. of what we're used to. And yet somehow it sounds like Star yeah. Wars. It doesn't sound like it doesn't belong. It just sounds like something we haven't heard before. So for me, yeah, uh, for the saga films, main title and uh, end title. However, on movies like Rogue One, Solo, I think it's fantastic to completely scrap that and do a sing, you know, a completely different thing. And the same goes for any films coming up that wouldn't be considered saga mm. films. I would say, go to town, do something new. Mm. It's yeah, and I, That's just me. <laughs> no, it, all they're all valid opinions, they're all valid takes because it's something that you know right now we're not really thinking about it. Because if you know, if you sit back in a chair and you think about 2023, I bet you everybody here, everybody in the chat. You think about 2023, December, you're in your cinema seat and you're playing in your mind's eye right now. You're going to see a long time ago in a yep. galaxy far, far away and bam, it's going to be Star Wars. And you're I think you're expecting opening crawl. You're expecting that music. Mm. But what if it's not mm -hmm. that, right? And that's one of the questions. I. It's one of the driving questions for this panel. It's something I've asked people over and over, over the years on various podcasts and it's going to become a hot button issue. So I, I like to think we're out in front of this. Yeah. <laughs> we can refer back to this in three years from now saying, Hey, we told you guys, <laughs> but yeah. So I, like that, that star Wars logo card, the opening crawl, all that stuff. Is it just so important to keep that as, as sort of like constants within the language of star Wars uh, or like Raven, like you said, like if you would, if we had told you guys a year ago that there's going to be this Mandalorian show, and the soundtrack is going to be, have rock. It's going to have industrial music. It's going to have electronic and some orchestral. You'd probably go, oh, my God, what are they doing? They don't understand Star Wars. These guys don't understand the brand. They're going, they're, they're going somewhere I can't follow. But you're right. Mm -hmm. You hear the Mandalorian soundtrack. And sure, it's jarring at first because it's so different. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. how, yep. it, it is that theme song. I mean, it's it's almost embedded itself already 
into our musical mm-hmm. lexicon. My son walks around the house. He's either humming Imperial March or the Mandos theme. <laughs> and yep. it's like, wow, like that music has already penetrated. And that's, you know, I guess that's part of Lud- Ludwig Gorenson's genius, but he's done such a good job. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And you, you say like, whenever the next person comes in, go for it. And I, I still go, but, but you're probably right. Like it, yeah. it seems to have worked out. <laughs> So I want to just have the faith that whatever choice they make will be the right one. But, you know, Star Wars fans, especially those of a certain vintage, i.e. us OT fans, we really cling to those old trappings of the saga. And that's not necessarily mm. bad. You know, we as as older yep. fans, we have kind of helped it get to this point. But personally, I, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think any new composer coming into Star Wars, especially for a saga, will inherit something like the Force theme. Mm. You know, because the force mm-hmm. is the force for 25,000 years of this galactic history, the force has been there. So I feel like that yep. should be if there's one piece of music that needs to kind of weave across all Star Wars, it should be that theme. Right. So what do you guys think, Devin? How do you think should should at least the force theme be something that's not mandated, but say, you know, here's a character, the force that is going to be present in all these movies. Use this. Yeah, absolutely. I I think, you know, if we look back thousands of years ago, right, and we started having recorded history and writers at the time, obviously, and I know like I'm preaching to the choir on this, but uh, stay with me for a moment. And it's like we we didn't have italicized, we didn't have bold um, print, right? We had one person or a group of people writing a manuscript. And if the, the writer wanted to get their point across, what would they do? They would repeat that theme over and over and over again. And I think that that's what we want to see with the Star Wars score, right? We want to have that one element that when we hear it, it just pierces our heart because we know not only what we're seeing visually, but we're connecting that to everything else we know when it comes to that theme. And I think, Kyle, like the, the Force theme and and even going as far as like the um, the binary sunset, right? I mean, that, that, that whole... Uh, set of of musical score there has been so well placed and you you touched on this before as well both of you that it can be tweaked a little bit where it's still actually we know it's that piece and what it's representing but it's in a different setting and it perhaps is using different instruments and that i think is just the these (laughs) i have so much in my head i just want to get out (laughs) (laughs) The, the sandbox of Star Wars is bigger now than any time in the last 40 years. It hasn't been this big since Lucas shot the original. And I think that that should be a very exciting thing for fans. Right. And, and to, you know, to go off what you just said, you hear the binary sunset. It's something that kind of weaves its way through. It, it's, it's that piece that kind of binds all of Star Wars together. But even yeah. when you look into Rise of Skywalker and there's... Uh, when Ray walks into the dilapidated throne room on Death Star 2 and you start to hear a different rendition of yeah. that of the throne room theme and it's like oh it's it was chilling and haunting but it's yeah. that piece that you've not heard in a Star Wars film since 83 right and mm-hmm. it's those little moments where and I don't know if it's because you know I, I guess it's obviously because it's part of a saga that we recognize but you're not going to hear that again like if, to ha- if you heard that theme the throne room theme in another throne room in another saga, you'd, it would feel out of place. Yeah. So it's, there mm-hmm. is going to have to be a bunch of new stuff written. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Absolutely. But some well, stuff could absolutely come across and be sort of that that um, comfort blanket. Well, I think so. And, and you touched on this yep. with The Mandalorian, right? It's, I think one of the cool things is the genre of Star Wars crosses into many other genres, right? From going from Western to sci-fi to um, the samurai films. And, and it crosses over into so many genres that it's really, truly... Uh, gives an opportunity for the metal or the electronica or whatever else to to weave its way into that because it crosses over so many genres of film. Right. Yeah. So do we have a favorite soundtrack? Raven, do you have something that, uh, like, uh, something you just keep going back to? Or is it selection of songs? Like you make your little mixtape of Star Wars music? Uh, If I purposefully intend upon listening to star wars music i am going to admit perhaps not surprisingly to the room that i go directly for the end title <laughs> scene uh throne room end title scene i will literally listen to it on a loop because i just enjoy it sometimes i mean i can listen to all of it if i'm in a classical mood you know john williams is definitely in in the mix for me but if i was going to say i'm going to listen to star wars music right now no question you know, mm. end title, throne room and end title for me. Um, I know that I talked to a friend of mine about being on here today and, and he informed me that uh, Duel of the Fates mic drop. So <laughs> I'm, I'm putting his vote in just because he isn't here. I'm putting his vote in that he says Duel of the Fates. So, and that's a viable, you know, I'm not against anything. I love everything. If somebody else loves it, I'm a fan, mm. you know, kind of thing. Um, and, and, and I feel the same way about moving on with the music. I don't, I don't mind if we get rid of the old stuff. I'm good with new stuff too. It'll just be different, but you'll get used to it. And, and I know I saw somebody in the comments said exactly that, you know, it'd be strange to have something different, but you get used to it. But yeah, for me, it's, it's definitely that mm. one. And it's, it's funny how, Duel of the Fates got such a different treatment than almost anything else because of the time it came out with MTV and stuff like that. It got like radio sure. play and, and a music video. And it was just part of this machine that helped to build, fuel the fire of, of prequel excitement. But man, that's, yeah, that song is straight fire. It's, it's such a cool track and it, it's so emblematic of a great scene in, in, and then, well, God, then they used it again in the Rise of Skywalker teaser trailer and we lost our minds and it didn't show up in the movie. <laughs> But, you're, but but what makes Duel of the Fates so powerful, I mean, amazing, you know, music, yada, 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 fill all that in, because we all know that that's true, <clears throat> excuse me, but what makes it so spectacular is the first time you heard the Duel of the Fates, mm. you didn't just hear it. You were seeing something, mm -hmm. something that was moving with that same tempo, with that same energy and it's so it, it hits you in a different way when you experience music for the first time with a visual that really matches it because you know the binary sunset yes you know i mean the visual matches the music certainly but not the same way as two people who are doing what in almost every other planet would be dancing to the music. So you're seeing the expression of the different sounds and the different instruments and the different movements and the changes. And I think that the reason why Duel of the Fates, you know, aside from being awesome, hit people so hard is that it's a visual experience the first time you heard it. You didn't hear Duel of the Fates anywhere before you saw it happen, you know? So, and maybe that's just my opinion, but that's how I see Duel of the Fates being such a, a high echelon item for people because it is a visual experience mm. 
your first time. That's a great point, Raven. How about you, Devin? Oh, man. I mean, asking me to tell you which one of my children is my favorite is probably much easier <laughs> question to answer, Kyle. <laughs> um, so I, I think so much of, of my childhood was I, I have, in fact, you can't see it behind me, but it's it's on the wall a little bit higher is the the 12 inch the story of star wars and it is the soundtrack plus the audio of the film and you know that's one of the things about star wars right that the dialogue or the visuals are so ingrained into us that we can probably listen to something and have the dialogue going in our head or the visuals going in our head or both perhaps i think for me though the one that um really sticks with me is after the millennium falcon it takes off from the death star and when han says come on gonna need you buddy and they're getting ready to face those tie fighters and just the the slowness that starts with that and then it just continues to increase and it's got this frenetic pace to it and oh i if i listen to that when i'm driving i i i want to just apologize to all past persons that have been with me in the car and future persons that will be with the car because something happens. And um, yeah, I kind of hit light speed when that happens. That, that track's called Here They Come and it's been used four yes. times across the saga, including including in Solo. Yes. Um, so it, mm -hmm. it, it was used first in A New Hope, then used again in Return of the Jedi, I believe, during the, the Death Star attack. Mm -hmm. And then in uh, The Last Jedi, they used it as Chewie. Chewie, my guy, pilots the Falcon <laughs> through the, uh, the mines of Crate. It's very quickly as he's traveling through that that little mine, that cave, and then again in solo with mm. um, with the Kessel Run. Yeah. So for mm -hmm. and, and so that that theme became a little bit emblematic of almost like a Falcon theme, where yeah. each of those yeah. in, in each of those instances, the Falcon is being chased by Tie Fighters, which. <laughs> well, and there's your connective tissue, right? It's right. It's it's, We're just getting yeah. Well you don't. Done. Yeah. You, you don't see it until like you take a step back and you look at this big, huge forty year picture and go. Yeah. Look what they're doing. And it's happening under our yeah. noses. Uh, man, uh, we could talk about the music all day. Something I want, I just want to touch back on something here, Raven. When we're talking about music that may or may not transcend across different sagas. So when mm -hmm. we look at Mandalorian and when uh, the child, Baby Yoda, whatever you like to call him, uses the Force, they mm -hmm. use the Force theme. Now, was that, that it stood out to me as a peculiar choice? Like, because mm -hmm. I said, like, I think that's something that should be used. But did, mm -hmm. did, that, did that does that jump out to you? Say, like, hey, why didn't you just use the force theme? Mm. It didn't. Um, and I think the reason why is because it's disconnected. Um, I do call the child Baby Yoda because it's cuter and funnier. <laughs> and until I know what child's name is child will be baby yoda because the child could refer to half the people in the country so um <laughs> so to me i actually feel like um the, the the separation is not just because of the different type of story that the mandalorian is and certainly the mandalorian as a character is you know you don't really know anything about him so the music has to really speak to a certain vibe and a certain feel uh because that's all you know at the beginning um, and I feel like the reason that they didn't use the force theme there was because this isn't Yoda. Mm. It looks like Yoda, but it isn't. And, and I mean, I know we all know that just the same as we all know that the Mandalorian isn't Boba Fett, but it's, you know, it's, it's that connection of, yes, it, it, it harkens so back to the thing that, you know, but it isn't the thing that, you know, and here's how we're going to tell you in a very quiet way. 
this is something slightly different than what you're used to. And I think that I, I feel personally that that's the reason why they did it in that particular place is because they were trying to, uh, to a certain degree, disassociate from Yoda because this isn't actually Yoda, you know, and, and you, if that makes sense to me, that's what it felt like they were doing was that they were trying to make the separation between the two. Yeah, that's fair. And maybe you, you can apply that music to Jedi only, right? And maybe, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he's not there. Maybe he won't ever get there. Right. What, what do you, that, that could be. <laughs> what say you, Devin? Yeah, I, I think that there's something there. I think that, you know, the other part of this, <laughs> here we are completely speculating on the minds of Filoni and Favreau, but, um, which is part of the fun of being a fan. Um, I, I think that anything that we're going to get on Disney plus, that's going to be a series. And especially if it's with characters that we don't already know, they have mm -hmm. carte blanche to just experiment to see what works. Yep. And I think that that maybe was some of the thinking there is like, we can have complete freedom to be creatives here. And mm -hmm. the, the risk factor is much lower than if we're dealing with a Luke or a Leia or a Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they probably have risk You're mitigation lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kyle, I want to know from you, though, because as, as we're talking, this thought crossed my mind. I thought, oh, my goodness. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but is is Star Wars music the one thing that Star Wars fans don't fight over as far as, like, liking it or not liking it? Oh, yeah, I think I think so. Like, off the top, I was saying, you know, we have characters who we love or hate and storylines and choices right. made that we love or hate. But, no, like, the music comes out and we're just like, yep, I love this. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine like walking out with you and go like, well, that soundtrack sucked. You know, like no one says that coming yeah. out of a Star Wars film. Nobody, nobody. I I, I don't ever rem remember. And it, I guess this applies also to the, the shows, uh, the video games. Even yeah. even Jedi, Jedi mm -hmm. Fallen Order just had its uh, soundtrack released and people yeah. rave about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Shadows of the Empire had a soundtrack. That goofy yeah. game yep. story from the 90s. People <laughs> love that. So the music I of love Star Wars, the Empire. Oh yeah, I, I do too. It's corny as hell, but <laughs> it's it, it it has a place in Star Wars fandom, and it, it deservedly so. But right. Yeah, even the soundtrack for that you, is it is it's out there. You can listen to it. It's Star Wars. Yeah. And so yeah. I yeah. think that might be something that Lucasfilm looks at, um, if, and I have no reason to believe they're not watching this panel taking <laughs> copious notes. I think they should know that whatever we do musically tends to be embraced mm. as long as it's mm -hmm. given the proper treatment. And like you, I don't think you would bring like, and, and this is not a slander on Michael Tavera, but the score that he brought to star Wars resistance is not the scale and grandeur that you would put into a saga film. Mm. So as long as it's given that proper treatment and you mm. give somebody the run of like a hundred some odd piece orchestra, you're fine. You're probably going to weave a tapestry of music that we're all going to go Good. I, I really enjoyed that. That's that's Star Wars to me. And yeah, it's yeah. Right. And it will take time for any new characters <clears throat> and their associated themes to sort of, uh, I guess, burrow their way into our hearts. And especially for, but it's it's really not about us at this point. Right. A new gen, a new um, a new generation of fans is here. A new mm. generation of films is coming for these kids. Mm. And, yep. and we're going to, you know, as, as older people, we're probably going to tag along and take it or leave it as 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 we will but for these kids there's going to be a new musical language for them and mm. it's going to it that will be their star wars 
And yep, uh, it, I guess it's super interesting. Yeah, I, I just gotta tell you, Kyle, like that. That's a super interesting thought that hasn't even crossed my mind. Is like you're right. Like the, the the music today in pop culture is much different than music in pop culture was in the '70s and '80s. And you're absolutely right. What is going to inevitably play to the, the hearts of the those that are are on the younger side now so <laughs> when they have their wallets filled and later in life that star wars can hit that nostalgia button again for them and then talking about your ring theory <laughs> there it is getting those consumer dollars but i think that that's how that is just such a spot-on observation yeah and i'm just watching in the chat I, over here sorry sorry Evan, but yeah, people are people are no, you're good. real good about like raving about fallen order the, the soundtrack for it <laughs> i i saw and that a also couple times roll up. people very feel very strongly that baby yoda is his name until it's not <laughs> <laughs> go ahead raven yes it's every once in a while i'm actually on the winning side i like that <laughs> um no what i was gonna say is something that that's brought up and 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 it wouldn't be just in music it would be in every single aspect of star wars that there is a lot of people talk about fan service and there's a lot of griping about fan service mm. and while i understand that to a certain degree i want to remind every single person who's ever griped about fan service in a star wars movie or book or comic or whatever it might be please remember that you wouldn't be getting Star Wars stuff if it wasn't for the fans. And so it's okay if we get served up a little of that old tea that we like <laughs> in the middle of all of this new stuff. Because the reality is that when it comes to Star Wars and you come to the fandom, when the fandom does have, you know, headbutting issues, a lot of times I think it simply is that old schoolers, and I don't want to cast aspersions on all old schoolers, and I'm also an old schooler, but... A lot of them, anything new is automatically just like, well, that's not what I had. So it's not cool. And, you know, so we have to sort of accept that the old schoolers are the reason that it's here. But that doesn't mean that we have to, for, you know, we can forget that some of these people aren't old schoolers. So we can't just keep depending on the same old stuff. So, you know, try to find that balance. But even with the music, you know, fan service isn't going to kill anybody. Just don't drown us in it. Yeah. But at least, you know, reference those people who have for 40 years been following, you know, because those of us who have been, you know, who, you know, suffered the slings and arrows of, 30 years of the same three movies <laughs> you know? like you know we deserve a little pat on the back for showing up so let us have our main title theme let there us have go. our end title there theme you, you could have everything in the middle <laughs> exactly and, and i was listening to um i think it was on fat man on batman um kevin mm -hmm. smith talking with mark bernard and and he, Kevin was bristling at the idea of fan service and saying, it's all fan service. Once you get past that initial yeah. one, yeah. part two is the beginning of fan service. Yeah. And yeah, maybe yeah. you've got uh, movies two and three already planned in your head if you get the opportunity. But there is sure. a role where something becomes successful and you go, oh, let's do more of that. That is fan service. Yeah. All of it. So <laughs> we yep. are in a... Well, and Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I had nothing left to contribute there. I was just going to ramble. <laughs> Well, good. Let me take over and ramble for you. Um, I was just going to say things like, you know, I have a bad feeling about this and all of those kinds of things. You know, those are the kinds of things that are starting to feel like, okay, you know, it's, you know, it's fan service that's been overused and that kind of thing. So I can get, I can get where people's, you know, concerns are coming from. Mm. But a lot of that is for some people, it's just like, oh, I remember the first time they said that. 
I didn't know how bad it was going to go. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think it's, I think it's good to keep those, those little things, but you know, move on a little bit, have new things and, you know, involve new things and, and don't be afraid to experiment. I think that's the most exciting part of what's going on with Disney plus. And I mean, I know there are concerns, they're valid concerns, but we also have to remember, you know, that we're playing with deep pockets and we have, you know, we have some freedom now. And if you're concerned about what they can do, you know, I again, reference the Mandalorian, which had no business being what it is. Mm. And while it may not be perfect, it may not be your thing. Let's be real here. It's been more universally, you know, liked, I think, than any of the sequel trilogy movies. And so if you can do that with a television show, I feel like there's a chance you could do more. Now they're going to have, you know, foot in their mouth moments. They're going to do things that are not right. But the one thing they're not going to get wrong is the music. I think they, I think Disney has a fairly decent track record with music. (laughs) I feel like they know what works (laughs) and Star Wars has a delightful track record with music and we know what works. So between the two, I feel like they're going to figure something out. Do you think Raven, let me, let me ask you this though. Do you think I agree with you by the way, do you think that we'll ever have a Star Wars score moment though that is ever as iconic from the original trilogy? Um, I don't know that that's I don't know. I think it's hard to say. Um, but you know, if you ask people what their favorite piece by Beethoven is, you know, there's really only two choices, <laughs> but you'll get people who will say other things. And so it's hard to really say for sure, because again, you know, when you're talking about the new, the next generation, these young kids coming up now, you know, the, the, you know, the, the music from rogue one Mm -hmm. might be as powerful to them as the music from a new hope was for me because I was a little kid. So there's no way to say for sure. But having said that, I would point to, you know, once again, the maestro and say, how many of those moments does he have? Mm -hmm. And how many other, how many other composers can say they have that many moments, that many in this time of the world that we live in, this man makes symphonic music where you can pick out a song that was playing in when you should have been paying attention to something totally (laughs) different. But now you can't remember what was in the scene, but you know that that's the music from you know, pick your poison. And when somebody has that many of them, it's hard to think that that's as easy to do Mm. as one might think, you know what I mean? Right. So when I look at it, I say it's totally possible that somebody could come and do something as iconic, but when somebody's done it, you know, a good 10 to 15 times and that's being, you know, modest, yeah, it's hard to think that it's easy to do. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. No, I'm totally there. And in fact, in listening to your response, Raven, it brings up another interesting question. And, and Kyle, you've been doing a great job moderating, but you haven't answered many questions, so I'm going to throw this to you. <laughs> um, Get him. So, do, do you think, Kyle, like going forward, that do we have someone that we embrace as like the Star Wars composer, or is now it going to be like? here this person does this film this person may be doing this trilogy and we're going to have a a greater mix of people or do you think that there is one composer out there that this is the new 
person with the baton that yeah. John Williams is metaphorically passing it's, off to. Yeah, like, and I love to put the speculation hat on here. I love, I love doing this as long as we don't get married to any of our ideas. <laughs> right, I think right. speculation is just a blast. And um, I don't know. I, I do feel strongly that whatever saga comes along, it should be one person. There should be. I think there should be like a single director, writer, mm. team, and mm. a, a single composer. And I don't know that I have anybody in mind, but I, I, I do hope it's not one of the big name composers. Like I don't mm. want to see Hans Zimmer or Howard Shore or Alan Silvestri. Like, mm. To me, their work is so connected to other franchises and just mm-hmm. landing them. Like I know we're sports fans here. And so you'll get this one. When I say that it would feel a bit like a, when, when one of the big money teams just goes out and gets a big name free agent, just because mm. there's an expectation yeah. that mm-hmm. they will, spend that money that they have so much of yep. so i don't want them to go after those people um okay the one person i would have loved to have seen do it uh, is un- unfortunately no, no longer with us michael Kamen, who did the mm. score for iron giant and i think he was the conductor for the sfo so maybe mm. you know him a yep. little bit Devin. Uh, i think he would have been a great pick but not going to happen uh, i could see them going with a guy like ramin jawadi who did the score for game of thrones mm. uh, and there is he also did the score for iron man the first iron man movie and Westworld and Pacific Rim. So he's got some big game experience to him. Uh, and it's also, since he did Iron Man, there is that Disney connection made. So he could be right. a guy they reach out to. And so that, and that also means he knows John Favreau. And sometimes mm. who you know is as important <laughs> as what you know. Yes, um, absolutely. But I do have one more, it's a dark horse pick. Um, if Lucasfilm puts its money where its mouth is and continues to give women more of a voice in, mm. in shaping the galaxy far, far away. Um, I'm going to throw the name Rachel Portman out there. And I think that's a name that might get kicked around circles, whether privately at Lucasfilm or maybe fans will eventually uh, lift that name up. But she's the first female composer to have won an Oscar in 1996 for Emma. Mm. Mm. And, and, oh, okay. and she's done scores for Cider House Rules and Chocolat. Um, and they were both Oscar nominated scores. And I think, you know, I, I went back and I listened to some of those scores. I think she has the sensibility to be able to pull off some star Wars music. Um, and of course the other person that of course I think has to come into the conversation is um, if Ryan Johnson ever gets his trilogy, he might just bring his cousin along uh, Nathan Johnson, who did virtually all the soundtracks for Ryan Johnson's films. Mm. The, score, mm. the score for knives out is also brilliant. So Who's to say? Yeah. Who's to say? I mean, the, the, the decision could be made already in some cases, but I'd love to, I can't wait to see what choice they make. But what about you guys? Well, I mean, I, so I, I will I will confess, Star Wars confession time. Um, like, I, I am not that familiar with names beyond the little bubble of like Williams and Giacchino and Vangelis. Uh, Alan Silvestri, oh my God, I'm just thinking like Rocky montage all of a sudden. Um, I here's what we need. And I think that we have agreed to this by and large as, as a fandom um, that diversity is a good thing. And so whether that's putting um, a woman in charge of the score or women of color in charge of the score, like, yes, let's do it Uh, again. No better time to experiment than with stories and characters we don't yet know and haven't yet fallen in love with. So now is the time open up the floodgates. And it also gives the composer a chance to fall in love with the yes. character. 
or, you know, or the story of the character or the vibe of the character, because I think that that's always going to make you more expressive, no matter what your art is, if it's drawing, if it's writing, if it's singing, you know, if it's painting, if your subject is something you can feel really, really invested in or have really strong, you know, impressions of i think that's something that you can probably get across mm. easier as a singer i know i have a really hard time singing any song where i can't like somehow place myself in the story mm. i have a hard time just being able to put emotion behind something that i haven't experienced and so i can appreciate how that those two work together and i know for an artist like myself i'm not an artist but if i were <laughs> a singer you know, I would not be interested in singing a song, you know, in my particular case, about a character, you know, just any character. I would rather you give me that character, mm. the one whose bio I read and I was just like, I know her or I know him. Mm. I've met that person. You know, I've dealt with that person. So I think, you know, who, you know, what they do can really be impacted by what they're doing it for, mm. if that makes sense. So yeah, with these new characters that we don't know, backstories we don't know, worlds we don't know, types of people we don't know, there is nothing stopping you from absolutely going for it. it you know, you're going to hit and you're going to miss. That's going to happen regardless of whether or not you take chances with new people. So absolutely take chances with new people. Although, given the opportunity to answer the question, I think John Williams should do all Star Wars music. <laughs> I think, I think Ryan Johnson, but John would, and I go way back. <laughs> I, I bet you Ryan Johnson would have used his cousin for the last Jedi. If not like it's you, you're working with John Williams, Ryan, mm -hmm. you don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. right, right. Okay. Like, right. It's royalty. Exactly. You get him uh, going forward. Who knows? I completely agree with you, Raven. It's time to sort of break the mold a little bit. And yep. let's, do, I, I hope Star Wars does what it did in 77 and a little bit to a lesser extent in in 99 in taking unknown people and putting them into the beginning stages of a new saga and letting them build their way up mark hamill yeah. nobody knew harrison ford carrie fisher jake lloyd natalie portman these were all relative unknown names at that time yep john williams was a known and quantity. where would the world be if harrison ford didn't exist oh boy up a creek Right. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to put that in there. I would, I would like for Star Wars to do that a little bit. So avoid, for me, avoid the Hans Zimmers. Avoid these people that come with so much expectation and baggage and, and yeah. such a resume. Go find the unknown person or the lesser known person and yeah. lift them up. Some, someone at some point spoke about sending the elevator down for others. I think maybe it was Leslie Headland um, in one of her interviews about starting to work with Lucasfilm is – you know, as, as someone who is part of a marginalized group, part of her responsibility now is to send the elevator down mm -hmm. for other people. And I don't know if it was her quote, but it stuck with me, whoever said it. Um, yeah. yep. And I, I, I hope, you know, in the case of a Rachel Portman, I saw some love for her in the comments. So maybe she's not as unknown as I thought, uh, but I think that would be an inspired choice. And I think it's time for Lucasfilm to make inspired choices. Absolutely, 100%. But uh... after my heart attack, Cash from Active Care meant I had choices. When I had cancer, cash from Active Care meant I didn't need to stress so much about money. What is Active Care? Active
Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from $10,000 to $60,000. If you're diagnosed with cancer, a heart attack, or stroke, you could end up paying thousands of dollars or more in out-of-pocket medical bills. Active Care gives you protection at an affordable price. So, get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Penn Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com. Yes, yes. We got about 10, 12 minutes left here. Um, I think we should yep. look to uh, bring in some people from the chat here. If anybody, yeah. so Dan was going to, there he goes. He made, he's made grab the spot available. Anybody wants to click that grab the spot button, hop on in here for a couple minutes, introduce Do yourself, give it. us, oh, we got Darth oh, here Tuba. Here we go. Here we go. That didn't take long. Hello. Will Darth Tuba. How's it going? Good morning. Sir? I'm fine. How are you all doing? You guys do a great job with this. This is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for jumping in. I, Hit us with your uh, Star Wars uh, music take. You know, my music take is, uh, I've been a John Williams fan and since I was six years old, which is when I also started playing violin and I'm now a professional music educator and teaching high school orchestra and marching band. So um, my journey with Star Wars and music kind of runs parallel. So I've always uh, appreciated John Williams for opening up the, the like you said, uh, Raven, the, um, the gate to classical music was my first. Thing so I've been loving everything that he puts out, uh, not just Star Wars, but throughout a lot of other films, especially the different, you know, going to different films, maybe not that big blockbuster action adventure, but things like Schindler's List and some other things that he's done, things like the, the Terminal, which is a phenomenal soundtrack if you ever want to listen to something very different. Catch Me If You Can, very jazzy. Mm -hmm. So I've been really appreciative of the work that he's done, and I've always felt that the nine films that he did for Lucasfilm for Star Wars have been, you know, they they some of it's derivative from previous things and then some of it's there's always something new there's always something different uh i particularly think about episode two and Atlas, you recall the, the whole chase sequence with coruscant when he had electric mm. guitar going and it was just you know it was so cool to see even just john williams be different than john williams and mm -hmm. I, I thought that was really cool now so i guess because there's been so much difference i feel you know in, in what he's done that I feel I didn't feel that any jarring change when Michael J. King took over for Rogue One. And again, as you guys said, I mean, what was it, two weeks? I mean, it was amazing what he was able to accomplish. And um, and then I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on Solo. Um, John, John Powell. John Powell, thank you. And he was, I, I was absolutely floored with what he did. I loved, I loved his score. I loved how it was different. I loved how he went back and made a few moments of familiarity. So. Yeah, I'm all for bring on new people. I mean, bring on, bring on new artists, new new guys. The, the Olivia Bernstein, I mean, completely different, you know. And I think we <laughs> were kind of introduced to that with things like Kevin Kiner for Clone Wars, and he was doing a lot of like world music uh, throughout yep. seven seasons. So I, I'm just, yeah, I feel like we've already started to dip our toe in the water, yeah. you know, even though we're just talking about Clone Wars. So I think it's it's okay to to move on to new things, maybe take a take it a quick visit back. Last thing I'll say, I'll give it up to someone else. Um, I, I did enjoy that how in Rogue One and Solo, which were the two first forays into 
other, you know, non-Skywalker, non-Saga films. They started in different lanes. I didn't mind that. They went into different directions. But at the end, for about 32 seconds, you heard da 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 You heard that end title. And it just kind of mm-hmm. brought you back yep. just for a few moments. Same thing with the mm-hmm. and the credits. And then they once again went into their own thing. And I thought that was a nice way to, for a short while, to bring these films, at least in terms of theatrical releases, to bring them back. That's a great point. You know what I mean? That's a great point. They're bringing you a cup of coffee after your exactly. dinner. That's what it is. <laughs> they just put the cup of coffee down and you're like, all right, I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. Uh... I love that insight. Give it up for someone else. All right. Thanks, Darth. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks Thanks for chiming in. All right. No problem. Yeah. Now, every time I'm going to listen to a Star Wars soundtrack, though, I'm going to think of Will, and it's going to be kind of that that rift between what Will just said and the Saturday Night Live with Will Ferrell, more cowbell. I'm just going to think, needs more more Cuba. (laughs) Need more Cuba. (laughs) Oh, no. All right, ten minutes. Who's up next? All right, come on, hit that grab yeah, the spot. Get in here. Jump on in. The water's great. Come on in. Come on. Hey, somebody. as we're waiting for somebody, let me throw this uh, to you guys. What is John Williams' best film score that's not Star Wars? Oh man, that's easy. <laughs> it is. Well, Superman. Superman's a strong pick. Holy cow! E.T. Yeah. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, F105's in the house. How's it going, man? Yeah, I was actually um, just wanting to tune into your panel to enjoy it, but um, I'm kind of doing a dress rehearsal for my own panel today. And I really... (laughs) (laughs) I want to see if I could get away with this character that I have going with the mask on. But um, I really wanted to say that I, I love this panel and I love the idea that the force theme would be the one theme connecting mm. everything. I think Kyle, you mentioned that. I did. Yeah, that's cool because philosophically, like the force is one, right? It binds everything together. So wow. I think if that's like yep. the one thing that connects everyone through space and time, it would be the force. So I think that's a cool idea. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Pin your panel. What, what panel are you doing? Um, it's called uh, DIY Hero's Journey, um, Turning Your Fandom into Creation. Ooh, cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, 1230 Pacific Time, 130 Central, and 230 PM Eastern. Yeah. Now, as a musician yourself, do you have any requests as who would you love to see take on the reins in future Star Wars movies? Oh, you know what? Like, I know a lot about folk rock a bit about rap uh but i love classical uh, symphony but i don't know enough about composers to just say fair enough yeah so just roll with it then right i do know what i hear i do think ludwin Gorenson is uh mm. single-handedly defined what future star wars music can be in the yeah. fact in that yep. this is the first new star wars music that is not john williams based at all and he, mm-hmm. in that, in the um, the Disney Gallery Mando episode that he was on, he mentioned how he wanted to do something that felt John Williams in terms of the vital energy he gave it when he was young. <laughs> that is so mm-hmm. intangible. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the scales or rhythms or anything that he's choosing, but it's all like a feeling. And to me, that shows, you know, aside from his Grammys, you know, with people like uh, 
Lando. Um, mm. I just think he's a genius, and he he able he was able to make new Star Wars music that wasn't rooted in Star Wars at all. So then, Kyle, when you mentioned the Force being the one thing, and you, and you guys talked about how when Baby Yoda used the Force, it wasn't him. It wasn't that theme. Kind of made me think that if the Force theme was used at only one key moment in the entire Mando series, then you would notice it. You know, I think mm. part of the problem with the overuse of John Williams music is as much as we love it, mm-hmm. you just start to not feel it or notice it because it's used so much. So like one, one time for the force theme in the, in the series would really direct your attention to, I think would be really cool. That's a great point. Cool, man. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to take up too much space. So you guys are saying someone jump in, someone jump in. So I just went for it. Um, well, so I'm glad you did. Yeah. I'll get off now and let someone else. Yeah, good luck with your panel. Yeah, okay, have thanks. a great time today. Yeah, good luck with yeah, your panel. Yeah, may the Force Fest be with you. Thanks, you too, man. <laughs> and also with you. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have time for one more? Or is it? do we have to, is, do we have to land the ship already? Oh, here he oh. is. Dave's going to be... Oh, five minutes. What, a better, what better way to close out the panel than with Dave Hackerson all the way in Japan? There he is. <laughs> Dave, how's it going, sir? There he is. <laughs> he, does, uh, he does have the adult beverage going. Had a boy, Dave. Yes, it's almost tomorrow f- for you guys here. But, um, I'll get back in the camera. I I was seeing in the chat, like you were talking about wild card composers, and one that I thought of that people probably recognize from The Revenant is Yuichi Sakamoto. Mm. Okay. The guy who is in YMO from the 80s, he's a Japanese mm. composer. He's just done, I, I've only listened to some of his music, but he can he can cover anything. The guy is just mm-hmm. genius. And he was in the movie with uh, David Bowie, where I can't remember the name of it, where David Bowie was a captured POW in World War II. And Sakamoto Yuichi plays the Japanese commandant or one of the Japanese officers at a prison camp, and he befriends David Bowie's character. But the theme of that movie was just really poignant. And so I think that if you gave him the parameters, this is what we want, he would just knock it out of the park. So Very that, cool. Very cool. Is that that's Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence? Is that what that is, Dave? Yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. Ah. <laughs> All right, gang. I think it's we got we to gotta start oh. to say our goodbyes here. But Dave, thank uh, you, man. Uh, no problem. Drop I'm, the name. I'm drop in. his name in the comments so people can can check him out. But uh, we got to start saying our goodbyes here, and this you know this brings us to the end of our panel. Um, I want to say thank you all so much again for watching along and making such a lively chat in the side comments here. Um, and if you haven't already, please hit that button for the Make a Wish. The kids need it. Uh, hey Carlos, <laughs> if you can't find that link, uh, we'll be pleased to share that with you guys offline later. Um, again, thank you to the <laughs> organizers for putting this thing together in lieu of Star Wars Celebration. Uh, you know, we should be bathing in the glow of, of Anaheim right now, but that's that's going to have to wait till 2022. But uh, we got to say goodbye. So, Raven, please plug your panel, plug your pod, plug everything you can. <laughs> uh, well, um, hi, everybody. Raven. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Genovella J and I also, of course, on Sisters with Sabres. And uh, please uh, come and listen to us and hear some candid conversation from a different point of view. And, um, you know, please, you know, 
like, review, that kind of thing, of course. But really, uh, please come and listen and, and hear some things from a different point of view and, and hopefully um, not feel like you were lied to by Obi-Wan at the end. <laughs> that's all I got. Your turn, Devin. Wow. That's that's going to be tough to follow up. Yeah, you can find us at <laughs> unmistakablystarwars.com. You can find us on that wretched hive of scum and villainy on Twitter at unmistakably sw and kyle thank you for inviting me on this this was fantastic i couldn't have done this without you guys man you guys are just badasses of the highest degree i love you guys man thank you so much for doing this uh as for me you can find me at the tumbling saber podcast a part of the star wars commonwealth podcast network wherever you listen to podcasts uh, you can also find me on twitter instagram our private our private facebook group which everybody here anybody here in the comments in the chat come check it out come hang out talk more star wars with us um in that group and then you can also find me later today talking with my good friend, Tim of the Nerd Room, talking about collecting Star Wars in the Disney era. That's at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. So if you get that plastic anxiety and you love Star Wars collecting as I do, come check out <laughs> another panel. Um, and that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I had a blast. I hope you had a blast. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's going to do it. Enjoy the Thanks everybody. Enjoy the rest of the weekend's content and may the Force Fest be with you everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Static draws me closer to your place. Willing me through my dreams Fall away Signs Blindly To the lines on your face Beating Strong Drifting And I relive this dream
that you gave Those walls you build is all for me And I become the man I want to be your love and your own Someone you know has probably experienced cancer, a heart attack, or stroke. The odds of experiencing one of these are high, which could result in bills for thousands of dollars in out-of-pocket expenses. How would you pay for it? With your savings? There is another option. It's called Active Care. Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from ten to sixty thousand dollars. And with Active Care, the cash is yours to use as you see fit. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Pen Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Visit ColonialPen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit ColonialPen.com. Every day, Americans like you are working around the globe in more than 170 countries to shape foreign policy, preserve our freedom, and pursue prosperity for all. They come from different backgrounds and have unique perspectives and skills, but they're bound by a common vision. They are the members of the U.S. Department of State, our nation's preeminent foreign affairs agency. Join them and start an exciting career that can take you anywhere as you protect the interest of Americans everywhere. Visit careers.state.gov and equal opportunity employment. Lawyer. 